It is great to be here with you this morning. My name is Patrick Johnson. As you can tell from my accent, I am from the South. I live down in Olathe. And uh, I moved there about two years ago with my wife, Jennifer. And we do worship at OBC, but we come to worship a lot here as well. And it's great here. One of the things I told Matt and a group of leaders from the church is what I appreciate about this church is you're just authentic. There's not a lot of pretension when you come here, and I get to go to a lot of different churches, and sometimes you feel like you have to pose a little bit. You know, you can't be who you are. And what I love about New City Church and Edgerton and here at Shawnee is that, is that you're pretty just what you see is what you get, and I love that about you. So I'm grateful to be here this morning with you and just to spend some time unpacking God's truth this morning. So we're in a series called We Greater Than Me, and we're studying this idea of whole life generosity. You know, and when I say the word generosity, we all know that that's a good thing, right? We all aspire to be generous. But the question is, and we know that Jesus told us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. But do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? And so what I want to start off with is a short video this morning from J.C. Penney, where they pose that question, is it more blessed to give than to receive? So let's watch this, and then I'll come back up. Great. <laughs> Because what did you see in that video? There were complete strangers who came together and hugged, and they cried, and it drew them together. I mean, that's just a small little taste of the power of what we greater than me really looks like in a life of whole life generosity. And I love the lady that said, giving is growing. When we give, we grow. We did a retreat this weekend at uh, Shawnee and Edgerton, and we asked the question, who's the most generous person you've ever known in your life? And think about that. Who's the most generous person you've ever known? And we asked them to describe that person with one word. If you could describe that person with one word, what would it be? And I got a list of the words up here on the screen. But we saw these words, selfless, agape, joyful, loving, contagious, angelic, uplifting, humble, I mean, these are all words that we aspire to be as people, right? If we could be all of these words in our walk with Jesus, wouldn't that be a great thing? These are all that we aspire to be. So we know that whole life generosity and what we've been studying for the last four weeks is something that's good and noble, that can change the world and can change us. But the reality is, if we're really honest with ourselves, it's difficult, isn't it? It is difficult. And I was thinking about why it was difficult yesterday afternoon, and I thought of two things. Number one, it's sort of the what if. Whenever we have an opportunity to be generous, sometimes we ask that, that little voice in our head at the back of our head says, well, what if? Well, what if I reach out to that person that I need to forgive and they reject me? Or what if I stopped by that person who's stranded on the side of the road and I miss my meeting? Or what if that person's dangerous? Or what if I give generously financially and God's calling me to be more sacrificial with what he's entrusted with me financially, but I don't have enough money for myself at the end of the month or retirement or college education? See, we have a lot of voices that come at us and say, what if, what if, what if? And there's always that fear. I think most people aren't greedy. I think most people are afraid when it comes to this idea of whole life generosity. It is me too. If we're really honest with ourselves, it's not necessarily that we're greedy or we're selfish people, although sometimes we can be. The reality is I think most of the time we live afraid, and the what-ifs really get to us. 
Second reason I was thinking about this this morning is why we don't live into this blessing of whole life generosity is the idea of we're overspent as a people. We're overspent. The truth is, is that we struggle for margin, and whether that's in our time, whether that's in our possessions, whether that's in our relationships, when I look at my life, and I'm sure when you look at your life, we always feel like we've got too much on our plates, and that everything is overflowing on our plates, and we don't have enough margin to really stop and be intentional about being generosity and about being generous and living in this whole life generosity. You know, Jesus knew that, and I want to focus on two passages. The first passage is this, this whole idea of being overspent. And this is a familiar passage. Jesus was talking to his disciples in a crowd, and he was telling them about the parable of the sower. Y'all familiar with the parable of the sower? Y'all can tell, I say y'all, that's a Mississippi thing. Y'all familiar with the parable of the sower? Right? So Jesus was telling this parable of the sower, and what he said was that a farmer went out to sow seed, and they cast seed. And some fell along the path, and some fell along the, the shallow soil, the rocky soil. And then there was this seed that fell in the thorny soil. And this is what Jesus said, and you can see on the thing. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants out. So here you have this idea of this seed that has a root and is starting to grow But what happens is the thorns wrap around it and choke out the fruit that it's designed to produce. And so the disciples came back later and asked Jesus, well, what does that mean? Tell us what that means. And Jesus said this truth. He said, basically, as for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear the word. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the worries and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And I think what Jesus was saying there to each one of us is that's the danger of an overspent life. That as we put more and more and more on our plates, what happens is we want to do the things we know we should do for Jesus. We want to do the things that are good for the kingdom. But what happens is life's worries and riches and the deceitfulness of wealth come along and they choke out the fruitfulness. We have good aspirations and good intentions, but the reality is because we're so overspent and we lack margin, it's hard to put those things into practice if we're honest with ourselves. And I can tell you, this has been true in my life, as I'm sure it has been in your life. Because I think a lot of times the reason that we're overspent is because we're searching for our identity. We try to chase after the things of the world to find who we are. I grew up in a pretty broken home. And when I got in high school, I didn't know who I was. And so I went to college, I got out of college, and what I thought was, I'm just going to chase after the things of this world because when you're successful and you're good in business and you're good at making money and you live in the right neighborhood and you do those things, you find your identity. And culture tells you that, right? I mean, it's not just what you think internally, but you look around you, you see things on TV and in movies, and culture is consistently telling us a story that bigger, better, and faster is the way to go. That if you do those things, you're going to find out who you are. But the reality and the sad thing is, the very things that we think we're going to find identity in end up enslaving us. It's a paradox. And Jesus knew that too. 
He said in Matthew 6, 24, a very familiar passage, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you, be, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Very familiar passage. But what's fascinating about this passage is he says, you're going to serve one of two masters. It's either going to be me or it's going to be money. And by the way, he didn't say money. That's how we interpret it today. If you go back and look at the original passage, the word that Jesus uses is a word we don't use today, which is mammon. He says you can't serve God and mammon. And if you look at the meaning of mammon, it wasn't just money. Richard Rohr defines it as power, prestige, and possessions. It's this chasing after power, prestige, and possessions. And when you chase after those things, what happens is you think those things are going to bring you freedom, but what happens is they end up enslaving you. And you try to adapt, me, I try to define my identity through the chasing of those things, and what happens is they end up enslaving me. I become trapped. I am the seed that fell among the thorns, that the deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life, and riches choke out the fruitfulness. So my point is this, is that we tend to live overspent lives, and it's very easy. And it's not just money. It's time. It's relationships. We tend to live overspent lives, and we think those things are going to help us find identity, and those things end up enslaving us. Have you ever thought if I just had enough money in the bank? I was talking to Ron Blue. He's a financial planner, and he said in working with thousands of Christian families, everyone has a number. And you think, if I can ever just make this amount of money or I can ever accumulate this enough assets, then I'm going to be free to do what I want. And what Ron says is whenever we reach the number, we find out that the thing that we thought is going to bring us freedom ends up enslaving us because we have to take care of it. We're fearful if it goes down and there's not enough. This very thing that we think is going to bring us life ends up enslaving us. It's the same thing with power. If you want power, then you'll never have enough. It's the same thing with prestige. If you want prestige, you're always going to be worried about what other people think. So what we have to do as followers of Jesus is we have to turn our back on those things and realize those things enslave us. And Jesus calls us to a better way. And what I think Jesus calls us to, he calls us from being overspent to overflow. In other words, we need to move from overspent lives to overflow lives. And the key to move from overspent to overflow is not what we think it is. We might think it's being better managers. We might think it's getting a better job. We might think it's those things. But Jesus says the key to moving from overspent to overflow is found in whole life generosity. That as you give your life away, you what? You find it. As you take your eyes off yourself, guess what? You become less important and you find a freedom in that. And that's what Jesus modeled for us. When we were talking about the latter, he is the 100%, right? He's not asking us to go anywhere that he didn't go first. 
And he was not trapped by the three P's of power, possessions, or prestige. He could have had all of those things. He had all those things. But he gave those things up so that you and I would not be trapped by those things. And he's given us an opportunity as we're found in Christ to move beyond the overspent life to the overflow life. And the key to that is this whole idea of whole life generosity. How do I know that? Because scripture tells us that. Let's look at 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19. I love this passage. This is one of my favorite passages when it comes to this. I've been doing this since 2003. I got on this journey of living from overspent to overflow, and this was one of the passages. There were two passages, and this was one of the passages that really helped frame my journey. So listen to what Paul says. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Now let me stop there. Command those who are rich in this present world. Here's one thing I know. All of us think we're not rich. When I say command those who are rich, you always have an image of someone else in your mind that you think is rich, if we're honest, right? Nobody here thinks they're rich because we always can compare our lives to other people's lives and goes, they're the rich people, we're not. Well, we know that half the world lives on $2 a day, so from a global perspective, we are the rich. But even more than that, because that's easy to discount that, But here's what I want you to realize is each of you have different currencies of generosity that God's given you that you're rich in. So it might not be financial generosity. For some of you, it might be hospitality. When we were sitting up here ordaining the elder today, Matt said he's taught me how to welcome people around my table. That's the generosity of hospitality. I think about the teacher who's teaching in his classroom. There's a generosity of presence there. That to be a great teacher, you have to be present. And some of you have the gift of presence. You can get it with people and they, you get into their lives and you can just be empathetic and compassionate with them. That's a currency of generosity. Some of you might have a currency of generosity, of hospitality or time or financial. It could be any of those things. God has entrusted you with so much. So don't think about just being rich in financial. That's one element. But there's so many different ways around whole life generosity that we are able to practice this. So what does Paul say? He says, command those who are rich, all of us, in this present world. And that's a whole other thing, rich in this present world. So what does that mean? There's another world that the the script might be flipped, right? So command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. That's the two dangers of being overspent. You become arrogant or you put your hope in wealth. But here's what I love, to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, let me stop right there. So whose idea is this generous life? What does this tell us? It's God. How does God provide? He what? He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So when you think about the idea of living generously, this whole idea of whole life generosity, it starts with God. He is the first and most generous giver. Someone said, if you stare at Jesus long enough, you'll become a giver. And if you give long enough, you'll become more like Christ. So when we are called to be generous people, this is not a novel idea that God is up in heaven and saying, I just want to make you suffer. No, he's saying, this is who I am. I am the first and most generous, and I have richly provided you with everything for your enjoyment. Like Matt, I was in the Black Hills last week with my family. And as you drive through the Black Hills, you see just the vastness of God's creation. I remember driving through a valley, and it was like the river runs through it. You remember that movie, the fly fishing movie? It was like that kind of beauty. 
And as you sit there and you get out and you watch the streams and you look up at the blue sky and you see these mountains, you think God has richly provided us with everything for our enjoyment. I think about holding the baby yesterday. And you hold a newborn baby in your arms. And you look at how intricate they are. And you think about how God has given us love. And how we love just naturally when we hold a baby. He has richly provided us with everything for our enjoyment. Or think about a time you've been struggling and someone came into your life and they just sat with you. They just sat with you. And they helped you through that. He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And I love the fact that he doesn't stingily provide. Right? It doesn't say, and God begrudgingly gives us everything for our enjoyment. Or God begrudgingly gives us some things so that we can sort of find some enjoyment. It says, but God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And then here's our command to us as his followers. It says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. So whole life generosity is not just about stroking a check, is it? It's about being rich in good deeds. To be generous and willing to share, that is financial generosity. If God's entrusted finances to you, yes, be generous with this. And it says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. And this is the phrase I love. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Here's what I want you to realize. When you are generous, you are walking into who God created you to be. You are created in the image of God. He is a generous God. And when we live open-handed, whole life, generous lives, we are walking into who we were created to be. We have the DNA of Jesus, as our friend Catherine says. And Jesus' DNA is a DNA of giving and generosity. Someone said we're most like God when we give. So it's not that when I'm stingy and the what-ifs get into my life, or I'm overspent. It's not that the world misses my giving. In one sense, they do, right? I mean, we could be doing so much more and helping the world. But the, the deeper truth is, is that when you are not living this life of whole life generosity, you are going against the way you were created. It's what we were created to do. And in doing that, we find freedom from overspent and misplaced identities And we find a freedom to live overflowing lives for the blessing and flourishing of the world and for our own good and for the glory of God. So a little bit more about my story. So I was chasing after identity, and I found myself at 27 years old, almost $80,000 in debt. Because I was trying to start businesses, I was trying to grow businesses, we had a big family, and we we were suffering. And I had met Jesus during this time, and so it was all new to me. And what Jesus impressed upon my wife Jennifer and my heart was, I want you to start giving sacrificially, financially. And we said, there's no way. There's no way. We're not going to make it. But we both sort of heard God prompted us to do that, and so we decided, you know what? We're called to do this. We feel like Jesus has saved us from so much, so let's open up our hands and say, okay, we'll do it. And we started giving regularly and intentionally, And I can tell you the course over two years that God brought miraculous things into our lives. I mean, like, as Matt would say, just stupid things. You know, that my wife got an opportunity to work, and in that work, we got paid more than we ever thought we could. And over a two-year period, 
We were giving intentionally. We were giving sacrificially. We were finding life. And God just showed up and took us on a God adventure. And what's fascinating, I was talking to my wife about this two weeks ago because it was 20-plus years ago, so you forget. And I said, I said, did it really happen that when the, all the debt was gone, all the opportunities stopped? And she said, that's true. So once the last piece of debt was paid off, we never got a call to do this ridiculously profitable work again. And that is such a lesson in faith. And I can tell you that God has led us on God adventures, trying to live with open-handed lives of generosity. I've had waitresses follow me out to my car in the parking lot and say, I've never been tipped like this before. What's up with you? I had a lady cry in the Houston airport. I allowed her to go see her husband who was serving overseas. They wouldn't rent her a rental car. She had to drive from Houston to Gulfport. And I said, I'll take care of your rental car. And she tried to pay me back. And I said, no, I'm not going to pay you back. You go and you spend that on your family. And she started weeping. Three weeks ago, I was in a Salvation Army store. And I helped a guy buy a $100 used couch. And he threw his arms around me and he started crying. I mean, all of these God adventure stories that are right there for us. If we overcome the what ifs and we overcome the overspent lives that we live, God wants to help us find our life and help other people find their lives and we heal the world. So here's the critical thing is that when you move from overspent to overflow, as God blesses you with power, prestige and possessions, then you can leverage those things up and they don't own you anymore. What happens is you start to use the blessings that God's given you to bless the world. And then if he gives you more, you find more freedom because they're passing through you to others. And I want to show you a radical example of that. Here's a quick story of a man who's been blessed with much. Some of us can't identify with it when we see it. But look how he's using that blessing through whole life generosity to heal the world. So let's watch this story and then we'll close. Wasn't that a great video? And the thing about it is, I'll never have a Ferrari, (laughs) and I really don't want a Ferrari, but he took what God gave him, and he used it, and he leveraged it to bring joy to kids. And I love when he said, it's not about the car, it's about the person. And you know what else he and his wife do, because it's, it's a dual thing, they do it together, is not only do they drive the kids in the nice cars, but they drive the parents in a follow-up car that's nice, and they have drones that film it while they're doing it and then they give them films that they can watch and take with them so it's easy to look at someone like that and say well of course he's got a ferrari god's given him possessions but god's given each one of us different currencies and you know some of the greatest examples of whole life generosity in scripture were the poor it was those who had very little it's the poor widow it's mary in the alabaster jar Some of the greatest examples of true whole life generosity are those who didn't have much according to the things of this world. But yet God's given each one of us, you and me, different currencies. And our opportunity is to take those things and instead of being overspent and trapped, he calls us to move to overflow and generous. And there's two applications I want to leave you with because like my... uh, What's your name? Matt. What Matt said earlier today, we do rib each other a lot, is that, you know, knowledge is great, but if you don't take knowledge and put it into action, then what good is it? So I want to give you two challenges. Number one, 
Where in your life do you need to move toward margin? Where do you need to move away from overspent? Is it with your time? Is it in a relationship that's not healthy? Is it with your finances? Where's God calling you to get some margin in your life, to get some space? And then the second thing is, where's God calling you to be intentional with your whole life generosity? Is it somebody you need to forgive? Is it something you need to give financially? Is it somebody you need to go visit with and just sit with them and pray with them and be there for them? What if every day when your feet hit the floor in the morning, the first thing that came into your mind was, how can I be a generous blessing to someone today? Where's God going to call me to be intentional in my whole life generosity so that the world will flourish and so that I will flourish for his glory? And thanks be to God that Jesus is the model and the motivator. He is the first and most generous. We just follow in his footsteps for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you only ask us to do what you have done first. You are the first and most generous, and so we as your children acknowledge that. When we sing that we are wrapped in the righteousness of Christ, we are wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus. There is now no condemnation for us. We are free. Help us to live out gospel-centered, whole-life generosity. Help us to move from overspent to overflow. Help me to move from overspent to overflow so that the, will, the world will be healed and the world will flourish. The world will go from brown to green, and my life, my inner life, will go from ground, brown to green. Father, we love you because you first loved us, and we thank you so much. Amen.